Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Everybody said amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. We're going we're gonna to begin our study this morning in Psalm 55. And specifically, we'll begin in verse 22. We're going to conclude our study this month uh, referencing God as our refuge. We began talking in the Psalms. We've taken a, a, a good journey through the Psalms, and we've talked about strength and suffering, about surrendering to God in our suffering and Him providing us strength, and that in all times, whether we're up or down, that we would bless the Lord at all times. And then last week, Brother Williams talked to us about our refuge and our strength is found in God. And so today, as Brother Allen has already mentioned, we are going to be talking from the subject, our burden bearer, our burden bearer. We'll, we'll begin in Psalm 55. We'll spend some time today in 2 Samuel chapter 17. And hopefully by the end of this, the Lord will help us Remind us that he is, in fact, our burden bearer. Psalm 55 and 22, David said, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Unpredictability. Unexplainable, uncontrollable. These are words that I don't like. These are words that bring a negative connotation. The fact of the matter is, is that we live in unpredictable times. We are surrounded by unexplainable circumstances. And we as human beings, if we were honest, really have no control over any of it. Life is filled from beginning to end with unpredictability and uncontrollable situations. Now, there's a common misconception. It's still alive and well today. It's nothing new. But there is a misconception that says that somehow, maybe not said verbally, but thought in the minds of people that if you live for God or if you live a Christian life, that somehow... It just exempts you from these experiences, the unpredictability, the, the turmoil, the upheaval or uncontrollable occurrences. But the fact of the matter is, is that the opposite is true. You see, living for God, living the Christian life sometimes accepts us to those things. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. In the book of Job, we learn that mankind's days are few and full 
of trouble. And Job so adequately says, and the sparks fly upward. And so we've spent some time walking through the Psalms of David, this course, this series. We've talked a lot about David and perhaps there's a reason why for that. Perhaps there's a a catalyst as to why we're talking about David so much. Perhaps it's because David lived a life that was quite like what we're talking about. Unpredictable, uncontrollable, unpredictable circumstances. You see, there were those that admired David and respected his kingship, understanding that it was divinely orchestrated in order of the Lord, yet there were others that were not so fond of him. We understand that Saul's jealousy caused David much running and fleeing and constantly walking and watching over his shoulder. And in 2 Samuel chapter 17, we see a very similar scene. Very similar, notwithstanding, we see it transpire from a very different source. Because this type of turmoil did not solely or only work outside of David's immediate family, but unfortunately it existed within it as well. Absalom was the rebellious son of David. And in this juncture that we find in 2 Samuel chapter 17, the life of David, his kingdom, the reign that he holds as king, we find in jeopardy. Absalom in an attempt to usurp David's authority sought to gain control of the kingdom by turning the people toward himself. Absalom eventually declares himself to be king. He does this in Hebron, in the same place where David began his kingship, furthering his attempt to undermine David's authority in the kingdom. Now, accompanying with him was a man that was very familiar with David. Accompanying him now in this rebellion is someone who was previously counselor to David, Ahithophel. He seeks Ahithophel's counsel, Absalom does, and asks him how to overtake his father and the mighty men that are with him. And Ahithophel gave Absalom a very shrewd plan to pursue after David. He gave him a very shrewd plan to pursue him immediately, effectively accomplishing what he had set out to do. But God had another plan. Ahithophel counseled him in order to serve him to be able to go after David immediately and effectively win and take David out and and place himself as king. But I'm thankful, and so should we here be today, that God had another plan. I'll tell you why God had another plan. It's because of who David was. It wasn't necessarily because of who he was or even that he was anointed king over Israel. But what made David different, what set him apart from every other king, is that yes, he was anointed king, but he had a relationship with the king. He had a relationship with the king of Israel, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so two chapters before, we see that David is presented with the news that Ahithophel has defected. And in response in 2 Samuel 15 and 31, 
he enters into that relationship. And David prays a very simple yet very prophetic and effective prayer. And God heard his prayer. David prays, Lord, simply turn the counsel of Ahithophel. And the Lord allows David's path to cross with a man named Hushai. Now David was a man of war. Let's get that straight right off the bat. He was a man of great military strategy. He understood intelligence, tactics, and espionage. He understood the workings of war. And so he admonishes Hushai to return to the city and give the appearance of him being a defector of David's army, thus making him a spy on his behalf. But now God has a man on the inside. Let's get this straight. This did not start with the mind of David. It started with a prayer of David. David prayed and God heard his prayer and allowed his path to cross with this man and now God has a man on the inside. Not only does this man serve in the capacity that David's humanistic or military inspired plan command, but God uses this man on David's behalf in an effort to bide David time and in an effort to bide him and his men uh, an opportunity to flee and to get out of harm's way, Hushai effect, effectively undermines Ahithophel's counsel to Absalom and provides an alternative to his attack. And so Hushai sends word to David, allowing him the time that he needs to get out of the way. But not only does he give David a warning, not only is he there to serve as the spy to just provide intelligence information to David and his army, not only does he send a warning, but he completely changes the plans of the enemy. Hear me now, Ahithophel's plan was sound. Ahithophel's plan was perfect. He knew David, he knew the makeup, he knew what he thought, he knew where he would do, he knew how he would react, he knew where he would be. And so Ahithophel's plan was astute. It was a study in humanistic behavior. He was an expert in counsel. Some people would even say that when he would counsel men, it was as if he, would, he was the oracle of God. That's how sound his counsel was. That's how perfect this plan was. It was just plain and simple, a better plan. But Ahithophel's suggestion, his suggestion of the surprise attack by night, by, by six times the force against David and his weary troops, it would have been better for Absalom. But... Hushai's plan. It was enacted allowing David time to reorganize his forces and enlist the help of others loyal to him and it also in effect placed Absalom in direct harm's way. God ordained because God was summoned. God was asked. God was petitioned to change the plan of the enemy. He heard the plan and he did just that and he changed the council on a dime. And because of this, it was afforded David the out, the, the out maneuver of Absalom's army and it did in fact allow them time, that much needed time to regroup, re-strategize and reorganize themselves for battle. I said all that to say this, this is no different than what we face on a daily 
basis. This serves to us this morning, right here in 2022. This is not just an old antiquated book that somebody wrote for our entertainment. It's not just a list of things that maybe happened in the past allegorically. But no, the Bible says that these were written for in samples for us. And so for us in 2022, this serves as a picture for what we encounter daily, a constant pursuit of a relentless enemy that is attempting to overthrow and undermine God's plan and his authority in our lives. We have an enemy, hear me now, who is driven by our downfall. And so that is why it is so vitally important and absolutely necessary that we stay sensitive to the voice and to the spirit of God because being sensitive to his spirit would provide us the ability to be evasive, to elude the attacks of the enemy, the constancy of those attacks, and to be privy of such attempts to bring us to the desired state, which is what he wants here this morning. Absolute spiritual bankruptcy and completely dead to the spirit. Because the fact of the matter is this. Agree or disagree, we are in a constant spiritual battle. See, not only was David fighting a very real physical battle, but David was fighting against a real mental battle. Betrayal is a very heavy burden to bear. Now, it would have been one thing had he experienced this from someone who was distant or seemingly unrelated, somehow an acquaintance or, or perhaps a stranger. It's an entirely different thing when we're talking about one of close kin. And so it is without doubt that David wore a very heavy burden through the, through the rebellion of his son Absalom. However, even though he must have felt an extreme amount of guilt and even an extreme amount of anger, he continued, hear me, to show him mercy. Even though it was hard on him, even though he didn't ask necessarily for this, he continued to show him mercy. In 2 Samuel 18 and 4, David orders his men, Joab and the others, saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. However, even in the course of battle, Absalom became entangled in a tree by his hair. And while his beast continued on, he remained suspended above the ground. And despite this order, Joab took the occasion as opportunity to slay him. Now the king has reached his pinnacle. Now the word has reached the king. And his burden is even more intensified and exponentially increased. It must have. There is no doubt that it did intensify an already present hurt and a mental struggle that David contended with in his own heart. But let's switch gears here for just a second. I submit to you today 
that both of these men were fighting an intense struggle within themselves. And so to answer this question, what do you mean? I believe to understand that and to understand what has brought us to this culminating, devastating, tragic circumstance is to look back just a few years. What could have caused all of this? What could have been the catalyst for this? A son who is in relentless pursuit of his, of his father to usurp his authority as king, to kill him and to annihilate his kingdom and take it for himself. What could have been the catalyst for such a devastating end that this man would lose his life so young and so passionately desiring the wrong thing? In 2 Samuel, we see chapter 13. We perhaps... And I just give this food for thought this morning. I'm not trying to create some new doctrine. I'm not trying to invert or, 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 or twist scripture in any way whatsoever. But I just offer this as a thought. Perhaps we find somewhat of a genesis of what we have seen and what has been given rise to the state of affairs. You see, it begins with a family. And a tragic set of circumstances. David's daughter, Absalom's sister, Tamar, Amnon, half-brother to Tamar and to Absalom, an unnatural affection by Amnon toward Tamar, which resulted in a horrible violation and a subsequent maltreatment of her. The Bible says of David, the king was very Wrath. In other words, he was very angry. This cut him to his core. But the Bible says that Absalom hated. David was very angry. David was very wroth. But Absalom hated. Of a certainty, David was not complicit to the occurrence, was, nor was he neutral in the matter. He was angry, but Absalom plotted. Absalom had every right in the world to be angry at the situation. David had every right in the world and every reason to be angry at the situation. Yet somewhere, somewhere along the way, Absalom's anger turned into hatred and eventual bitterness. David was angry, but Absalom sought revenge and retribution. David was grieved to his core in his heart, but Absalom allowed the grief to consume him and he subsequently two years in the making slew Amnon by an ordered hit in retaliation of the wrong that was done unto his sister but I pose the question here this morning was it enough and did it satisfy looking back at what we've already spoken of I would say no it did not do enough and it 
did not satisfy. Now, understandably, this was earlier prophesied into David's family after his adulterous affair with Bathsheba and the subsequent murder of her husband Uriah. I understand that, but in the context of what we are talking about this morning, in the current situation, what we see here is two men with very different reactions to a very real and legitimate hurt. A very real and legitimate hurt, but two separate responses. And so what can we learn here this morning? Two men, a father and a son, a daughter, a beloved sister, defiled, but two completely different responses. Absalom became incensed. Absalom became enraged. And Absalom acted irrationally. And that shaped the trajectory of the rest of his short-lived life. Let me tell you what Absalom did this morning. He took matters into his own hands. Absalom said, David, Dad, if you're not going to do anything about this, then I'll do something about this. I'll take matters into my own hands and I'll take retribution with my own hands and I'll seek revenge and I will exact revenge with my own hands and he succeeded he succeeded in the first half of what he set out to do he did, he did, he enacted in rebellion and retribution onto the offender but I can assure you this morning I know what I'm talking about his anger was not satisfied if anything it was exponentially increased but David but David not perfect by any stretch of the imagination he's not a perfect man he doesn't always make the right decisions he doesn't always have the right responses but in this case as many others he placed all hear me all of his burdens on the Lord he placed all all of them on him his hurt and his hang-ups. Yes, he was wounded. Yes, he was angry and understandably so. Yes, he felt betrayal, but David did not allow it to consume him. I'm telling you this morning that bitterness cannot satisfy Bitterness will never be able to satisfy. And bitterness will not stop until it consumes every part of you. Revenge will not satisfy. Revenge cannot. It has not the ability to soothe or to console or to provide you peace because its inherent makeup is absolute violence. Revenge and retribution enacted in bitterness it cannot, it will not ever be able to provide peace. Because it has not the ability to bear the burden. And so in this life that we live in the unpredictability, in the circumstantial occurrences I cannot I cannot control what happens to me I don't have the ability but what I can control 
is how I react to it. I can't predict everything that may come my way. And I can't always have the control over every situation. Now, you're looking at somebody. I'm not just preaching at you this morning. I'm preaching to me. I like to have control. In fact, if we're going somewhere today, I'm driving. I'm already telling you right now. I like to be in control. But I can't control every situation. I can't, I can't predict everything that's going to come my way and be absolutely prepared but what I can be prepared for is no matter what comes my way I can respond in the right way there's a famous quote it's become quite cliche over the last few years nevertheless it is true life really is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I respond and so in all of it in all of this there's good news we have a burden bearer. In all of this, we have a burden bearer. We have someone who we can turn to in time of need. And can I tell you this morning, it really matters who you turn to in time of need. It matters how you respond. It matters how you react. And it matters who you seek counsel under in those times. Absalom worked in treachery. Absalom worked in deceit. Giving way to his anger. Giving birth to contempt. But David gave his burden to the burden bearer. Absalom worked in treachery. Absalom let his pride overtake him when he said I will do this on my own and I will do it on my own terms and do it my way. It led him to the path of destruction but David took all of his cares and all of his burdens to the burden bearer. David wrote psalms. David wrote prayers. Absalom picked up a sword and a spear and climbed upon a beast but David picked up a harp and played to the Lord and wrote psalms of prayer and praise not to flippantly go by the problem not to flippantly pass by the eels of his existence with all out abandon no 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 but to place his cares and his concerns on the only one who can extinguish the pain and provide the strength Psalms Psalms much like Psalm 55 that we've read perhaps not exclusive mind you to the circumstance of Absalom's betrayal yet seemingly very relatable to the occurrence Psalm 55 records the words of an overwhelmed man in great distress the distress of, of betrayal causes a transparency in David as he reveals his fear and his horror that has gripped his heart. He recites his desire to flee, to get away from the anguish, to escape the pursuit of the enemy, and finally be at rest from the turmoil. Am I alone this morning? 
Has anybody ever felt that way? You just want to fly away to some safe place to get away from the pain and get away from the anguish. That was David's lament. That was David's psalm. You see, the psalm is a lament. It's a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. But it is not merely a lament of affliction by an outward enemy. David reveals that his grief was born out of a familiar treachery. But David, hear me, was a man of war. David was no coward. David was not a man who backed down from controversy and from confrontation. He didn't always want to get into it, but hear me. He, he wouldn't mind getting into it if he had to. He was just one of them kind of men. You don't want to mess with David. He, he'd leave you alone if you left him alone. But don't poke the bear because he's not afraid of you. He'll stand up to you. He'll get up in your face. But what he was was not a coward. He was not, he was not shy from confrontational battle. But what is very apparent in his life, a very apparent observation when we study his life, is that he found betrayal was the most tragic and challenging things that he would ever face. But instead of allowing that hurt, instead of allowing that pain of very real circumstances, hear me now, I'm not not trying to downplay anything that anyone may be going through here today or in David's life or mine as well. Not trying to just walk past it like we're tiptoeing through the tulips and nothing is wrong. But instead of allowing that kind of hurt, that real pain, to drive him to a place of retaliation, David allowed it to drive him into the opposite direction. David laments and he cries out to the Lord. But his lament quickly turns into admonition. He begins with lamentation. He begins in sorrow and in grief. But he ends in absolute confidence. Psalm 55 and 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Verse 23. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Hear this. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But I, but I, somebody say, but I, but I will trust in thee. He was certain. He was absolutely convinced that as long as he kept his faith and his confidence in God that absolutely nothing could move him from the hand of God's righteousness. And thankfully, this is not the only occurrence. Thankfully, this is not a one-time thing in Scripture, but this is a a reoccurring thing throughout. Because as inspiration of this psalm, Peter wrote similarly to the churches scattered throughout Asia. And he says in 1 Peter 5 and 7, casting all all your cares upon him and here's the qualifier for he careth for he careth for you this is what Peter said you can cast your cares on him because he cares you can cast your cares on him because he cares for you 
Peter used much of the Old Testament in his writings. He used much of the Old Testament in his first epistle writing to firmly instruct this church in the appropriate Christian response to the suffering and persecution that they were to endure. In verse 7 of chapter 5 in this epistle, he draws his inspiration from Psalm 55 using the word care, which is marimna, which is a term in the New Testament that was used to describe worry and anxiety. And so, yeah, there's probably going to be some outside persecution, but just as much as there's going to be on the outside, it's probably going to be on the inside as well. And so this is what he's saying. Cast your cares on him because he knows. Cast your cares on him because he cares. Cast your cares on him. Every worry and every anxiety upon him because he knows and understands you see it's translated this word is translated burden by the Septuagint which is a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures and interestingly this is what I found he uses this phraseology nestled right in the middle of submission and resistance he uses this phraseology right in the smack middle of the concept of submission and resistance. resistance, Submission to God, resistance of the enemy. Resistance to God, resistance of the enemy. If you're going to accomplish this, and if you're going to accomplish this, then you got to do this. Cast your cares, your burdens, all your burdens, all your hang-ups, all your inconsistencies, everything you have, all of your cares, all your anxiety, all your missteps, everything that you encounter, cast it upon him. And it will effectively cause you to be able to give resistance, the proper resistance to the enemy. Hear me now, by casting all your cares upon him, we display absolute humility. I'm not taking this into my own hands. I'm not going to try to do this on my own. I'm going to submit myself to God. I'm going to cast all my cares upon Him and then I will be effective in the battle to be able to resist the enemy. A military mastermind. A cunning and crafty warrior. A formidable foe to the enemy, David was. A great military captain. A great man of war. But he understood something that we all must understand today. He was no match for his own. He was no match for his own burdens. He knew that he could not solely make it on his own, relying on his own expertise or his skill in the arena of battlefield. Most simply, David realized something very early on as he was in that field watching over those sheep and he was, fa- he was battling that bear and that lion and all of those things that would come against all of those sheep. He was playing that harp and he was singing praises to God and he was giving him all the praise. He understood then, if I'm going to make it anywhere, if I'm going to go any amount of time, I need 
God and I will not do it any other way and so I'm here to tell you this morning it doesn't matter if we're seasoned it doesn't matter if we're brand new if we're young and full of vigor it does not matter where we are if we're spiritually strong or if we are even spiritually mature and fully capable of making decisions the simple fact remains is that each and every one of us a universal a universal rule that cannot be revoked we all we all need God because hear me this morning hear me now we are going to face things in this life that we have no control over and we have absolutely no strength to endure on our own and this is not some bring us down thing there's going to be things that we let me tell, if you're a young person in this house this morning, there's going to be some things that you're going to face that you don't have the power to resist unless you cast your cares. Let me tell somebody who is seasoned in God, you know this, but let me remind you of it. There is going to be hurt that is going to come against you that you will not be able to spiritually survive if you don't cast your cares you see we don't have and I don't mean to be disrespectful let me I let me say I I don't have the mental ascent I don't possess the skill I don't have the prowess or the competence to even achieve bearing my own burdens and here's the good news and I'm quickly closing. We don't have to. I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. I don't, I don't have the ability to do it, but I don't have to. I don't have to endure it on my own. You see, if there was ever a human being on the planet that could have allowed the pain of betrayal to consume him, it would have been him. It would have been him. He was refused. He was constantly attacked. His integrity, his, his, his moral standings were questioned on a daily basis. Many attempted to discredit him. Many attempted and failed to, dis, to defame him. He came unto his own in his own received him not and his own chosen betrayed him committing him to bonds and eventual death but this is what Isaiah said he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not. And let's just get right into it. Isaiah didn't take a breath. Surely he hath borne our 
greased. You know what that means? That means he carried every sickness, every disease, every, every, every malcontent, every misstep, everything that ever a human being ever occurred in their life. He has borne our grease and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Can I tell you this morning, he really is our burden bearer. Can I, can I tell you this morning something you already know but need to be reminded? He really is our burden bearer. He really is a one who who cares? He really does understand. And so this morning I ask you, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're holding, whatever it is that's troubling you, whatever it is that's keeping your mind from settling, whether it be anxiety or whether it be worry or whether it be sickness or whether it be loss, whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, God knows, hear me, God understands and God cares because he is our burden bearer. And if you have something that you need to hand off to him this morning, I would ask you to stand and do that. Lift your hands to heaven and let your voice let out a, a cry unto God because not only will he hear, but he understands. Not only will he hear, but he will show up. Not only will he hear, but he will come to our aid because he is our burden bearer. Come on, one more time. Lift your voice. Lift your voice and cry out to God. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I love you today. God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your word. Oh God, and your promises. I thank you, Lord, that you're a forever present help in our trouble and that we can come to you, Lord, with every need and with every circumstance. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name right now to touch this people. Let the power of the Holy Ghost rest. Let every burden be dis dis displaced upon them and upon you, God, because you are strong enough to carry it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Aren't you thankful that he's our burden bearer? Let's clap our hands to the Lord and give him praise and glory and honor. For he is worthy of it. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.